Oh, I can do without. I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm uh, not too bad, Mark. How about yourself? Good. We've had uh, probably more than a good week uh, here today. Uh, for those of you who have the ability to read, I assume most of you, uh, you probably already know the. It's spoiled because I'm going to, you know, title it a certain way. But we have a special guest uh, today. Uh, probably, I would say, no offense to any of the. No, I don't want to say that. <laughs> I mean, no offense to anybody else we've uh, we've interviewed, but probably the biggest guest we've ever had on the show, at least. You'll find out how big of a fan I am. Uh, but anyway, so without further ado, uh, star of stage and screen, big and small, uh, pretty much everywhere, a, a ubiquitous force in entertainment. I contend, if you look at the filmography, responsible for more laughter on television than maybe anyone in the past 40 years. Uh, it is Mr. Ed Begley Jr. How are you, sir? Very good. You're being way too kind, but you're young <laughs> and I'll accept you. You're very sweet to an old man. No, no, no. We, uh, I'm a huge fan. Um, so when I was, yeah, I was just, I'm sorry, Mark, no, go good, ahead, no good. Yeah. It was just a uh, brushing up for the show and credits on IMDb. Basically every good show in the last 20 years, you're in. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I mean. The, it, you're basically if any show where so you're like a Swiss Army knife of of an actor, whether it's you know comedy or drama or whatever. Somebody needs something done really well, uh, then they call Ed Begley Jr. That's my that's my opinion. That's about the nicest thing anybody said. A very clever Swiss Army knife. I really like that. <laughs> I haven't heard that before from anyone. Very, very clever. Who was that? Mike or Mark that said that? I didn't get, get to that. Oh, oh, it was Mark. The clever one was Mark. <laughs> very funny, Mark. <laughs> but, uh, and I'll certainly agree that I'm lucky. I don't know how I got to be on Arrested Development and Better Call Saul mm -hmm. and Bless This Mess and St. Elsewhere and all the other shows, Boston Legal. I've just been on good shows six feet under for decades, and somehow it continues. I don't know why they hire me, but they do when I show up. Uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman too. I, uh, that's, that's one that's not talked about a ton, uh, anymore, probably, uh, tragically, uh, very like Riley funny show. Great show. Yes, I agree. But, uh, when I was, when I was young, uh, I remember my parents would watch St. Elsewhere, uh, you know, every week and, it you know it was one of those things where you know back then back in the eighties you you just watched what your parents watched if you were watching TV because there was one TV in the house and whatever your parents were watching you watched and I watched the show and I kind of like I, I really gravitated towards uh, your character um, uh, Victor Erlock I, I and uh, William Daniels and that relationship I liked William Daniels a lot and then. I watched 1776 with him and, and, you know, some other stuff and, and you as well, uh, with, you know, all the, the other things that, that we've mentioned and, and will mention that you've been in, but I liked that relationship a lot on that show. I just remember growing up and watching it, but I didn't remember a ton of, uh, of episodes or, you know, what happened in episodes necessarily. So I don't know how much of this you saw. I know you liked some of my tweets way back when, um, but, uh, since it's on Hulu, uh, everybody out there, uh, I've, I've said this before, but everybody should go watch St. Elsewhere uh, on Hulu. I, uh, I'll, whenever I have a little bit of downtime, I live tweet the show and uh, I, I basically just watch it and, you know, write the things that are going on on Twitter. Uh, but I have incredible, incredible talent on that show. Uh, is that, would you say, is that the most talented, you know, both behind the scenes and, and you know, in, fr in front of the scenes uh, cast that you've ever been a part of? Yes, it was that. In front of behind the camera, yes. It was Bruce Paltrow, it was Tom Fontana, it was Josh Brandon, John Palsy at the beginning, John Macias, Mark Tinker, 
It was this incredible writing team that was just unbelievable. And then we had great directors like Mark Tinker again as a director. You know, the directors come and guess and Denzel Washington and David Morris and Howie Mandel and Christina Pickles and Bonnie Bartlett and Bill Daniels and Ed Flanders. It just, the list goes on. Great talent in front and behind the camera. And I was lucky to be there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the great Norman Lloyd, of course, uh, still, still oh, going God, strong. I that, man. I still see him. <laughs> yeah. Still going strong today. It's, it, it's, uh, remarkable. Yep. But, uh, yeah. So, force of nature, that one. <laughs> I watched, so I watched that show and it, you know, it, it, it connects me with, uh, you know, what it was like uh, being there with my, with my kids and everything, or my uh, parents and everything, you know, being, being a kid, um, it's, I feel like, and this is part of my crusade, uh, we'll talk about your crusade very, very soon, but uh, part of my crusade is to, for some reason that I don't understand, and I don't know if times have, it's, that's the thing, is it, I can't say that times have changed too much, because I look at some of the episodes uh, of St. Elsewhere, and, and, you know, the guest stars, obviously, um, uh, Tim, uh, Tim Robbins, guest stars as a, uh, a terrorist. Yeah, Tim Robbins, I know. Yeah, so they're... Ray Liotta. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And and they they talk about, you know, racism. It talks about uh, terrorism, you know, things like that that are still relevant today. And I just... Obviously, incredibly acclaimed in its time, in my opinion, and I think the opinion of most, you know, people looking back on, on television, uh, one of the greatest shows ever... Um, but I don't, I don't hear a lot of people talk about it, you know, today and it's readily available on Hulu. Like I said, I try to get, you know, I, my, my goal is to get as many people to watch the show as possible. Uh, why, why do you think that it's not, you, you know, you hear people talk about, you know, the Sopranos or the, the wire, uh, obviously, you know, those are more recent shows, but, uh, you know, like cheers. And- Very good shows, by the way, I got to jump in and say how much I do love those shows. Mm-hmm. Those are- Fine, fine shows too, of course. Absolutely, but I mean, you know, before ER, before uh, you know anything like that, I think just and a masterclass in how to how to juggle a a bunch of different characters, different storylines. Um, you know, from week to week, it, you know, one week, you know, you would be kind of showcased. Uh, one week it might be, um, you know, Howie Mandel. Next week it might be William Daniels. Uh, you know, Ed Flanders, and and so on, um, and just a, a masterclass in how to do that and and weave all those storylines together. Do you? Why do you think that more people don't talk about the show now? Or am I wrong? And am I am I just in the wrong circles? And people do talk about it. No, I think people don't talk about it as much, of course, because it's been some other wonderful shows since. You know, ER was a great, great show. Mm-hmm. Grey's Anatomy is a great show. These are wonderful medical shows. And ours was just a long time ago. You know, it was 82 through 88. So those six years happened decades ago. So I guess people, and I don't blame them, they're dealing with more recent material. And uh, But it was a fine show for its time. 82 through 88, we did, you know... Gosh, I think 150 episodes or something like it. We did a lot of wonderful shows. They hold up very well. The writing, directing, acting is still very good, in my opinion. And I was just lucky to be part of it and think of it fondly every minute since. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One thing that you've been a part of for quite a long time, uh, probably, I don't know, 40 years or more, uh, is your your devotion to the cause of uh, conservationism, uh, you know, fighting against climate change, obviously uh, huge, huge uh, hurdles uh, that still need to be overcome. And, you know, it's, uh, I mean, in I think, I don't want to speak for you, Mike, but I think the general consensus of us is, you know, it's the fight of, you know, our lifetime. This is, this is... Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, issue number one, because... You know, you don't protect the survival of the entire planet and uh, everything else kind of pales in comparison to that. Is it is it like and as I said, you know, uh, going back into into the 70s before a lot of people were were in on this, you were you know, you were like 
state, you know, step one of, uh, you know, championing environmental causes. Uh, obviously, I think more than yeah, maybe you're way ahead of the curve on the subject. Yeah. Sure. And I think maybe more than anyone else, you're you, very kind. I think maybe more than anyone else, you, you really exemplify uh, a lifestyle of trying to, to eliminate, uh, you know, as much of your carbon footprint as possible. Is it frustrating to you to have, you know, labored uh, as long as you have and to have not seen more progress uh, on this issue? There are a lot of areas that I find frustrating that we haven't gone farther, but I'm always, you know, it's always important to me to emphasize the good news too, to focus on that. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, when I started in 1970, we had this horrible, horrible choking smog in LA and I lived the first two decades of my life in smoggy LA. So I knew it was real. I breathed it every day. So from 1970 to date in LA, in LA area, that region, you have four times the cars, millions more people that have fractioned the smog. The air is so much better. And it's even better still now because nobody's driving much or right. factories, people aren't working, making all that pollution. But it's, but long before this pandemic hit, the air has been a lot, lot cleaner in L.A. because of all the stuff that we did. So there's some good news, too. And that's why I, I still am able to maintain hope about the other things we have not addressed, like climate change and the plastic in the ocean. Mm -hmm. All that problem, uh, you know, I, I, I think we can do it because we've done it in other areas like the air pollution in L.A. Yeah, I, I read a very interesting article from uh, an environmental or an environmental scientist was quoted in it. And he talked about, you know, one of the silver linings of the pandemic being a lot of, you know, air pollution simply isn't going into the atmosphere right now because people are staying at home they're driving less fact you know not as many factories are running he said obviously this is not the circumstance that we want would want it to happen to but i think what it highlights and I, it, right. it, this was this was very interesting to me what he said too i he said i think it highlights to, it should highlight to everyone that human beings do have an impact on our environment and that when we make changes, you know, especially if they're if they're drastic enough changes, things can turn around relatively quickly. Uh, and I thought that 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 was, I mean, that's obviously, you know, obviously there are people out there that you know might still question climate change and things like that. And I th I thought that was a very a, a very like interesting proof of it that you know here's proof human beings do have you know, a, a large impact on our environment, obviously, uh, but here's the, the evidence of it. And I thought that was, uh, you know, maybe that's something that, that can come out of something, some good that they can, 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 that can come out of this is we can, you know, we can show this to people and, and, you know, maybe try to change some minds. Obviously, you know, moneyed interests are a, uh, you know, somewhat of a problem uh, sometimes in, environmental causes unfortunately but uh you know I, I i like you said i i i keep hope as well um you know i i have young children you mentioned your daughter i i have young children as well and you know our I, our job obviously is to make the world as as good of a place as it can be you know for them coming up mike is same way you know has young children as well but um yeah we we i i wanted to say basically that we we appreciate and I don't know I don't know how often you hear it or, or what but I wanted to say that we appreciate the work that you and and everyone else does uh you know to to try to to make this world a better place there's an old uh greek saying that says um you know the world is a great place when a old man plants a tree whose shade he knows he will never see and i i think for environmentalists mm, that's i think beautiful I, yeah i think that's i think that's a, a, a you know you guys are are trying to to affect change to help everyone else uh you, you know generations down the line and i think I, I i can't i can't thank you enough for it that's very kind of you to say that and you know, I do everything in my power to make sure there's something left for my kids, two of whom are quite grown now, and I have grandkids as well in my case. And so I'm trying to do what I can 
so something remains for them somewhat like what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Mike, do you have any? If, if some, if, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, do you have anything you want to say? Yeah, I would say uh, if somebody asks, what's one small thing I could do that will positively affect the environment? Do you have an answer to that? Do you know? I mean, just if, just everyone, I'm sure, could do something to you know have some positive effect on this. Start small and build, you know. Uh, that's what I did in 1970. I wanted solar panels and a fancy electric car. I couldn't afford anything like that. So I did the cheap and easy stuff I could afford. And there's many choices in that category today. You know, put some weather stripping around your doors and windows. Get an energy-saving light bulb. If you like it, get some more. Put up an energy-saving thermostat. Ride a bike of weather and fitness permit. Take public transportation that is available near you. And running, given the pandemic now, and safe, you know, now that we can't get in close proximity. But that, that, this too shall change and we'll be able to take public transportation in meaningful ways again. So there it is. Light bulb, thermostat, weather stripping, bike riding, public transportation. You know, turn the thermostat down in the winter and up in the summer so you save energy. Turn the lights off when you leave the room. Put your unnecessary items on power strips. So when you go to sleep or you leave the house, you can save all that energy. All those things that you think are off, like your TV, is not really off, you know, because it's still drawing power, just being plugged in. To put all that stuff yeah. on power strips and maybe one, two, three, three of them for a whole household or a large apartment, and you'll have everything, you know, turned off, really turned off when you leave the house and go to sleep. And uh, it'll save you a lot of money. So there's lots of ways you can do it. Start small and build. Yeah, that's a very good point. Do you think now that people are starting to understand the financial uh, damages caused by climate change, like the increase in hurricanes, uh, you know, droughts, that sort of thing, do you think that might possibly change people's minds? Or do you think people are just so bullheaded that they really have to be slapped in the face with the truth of the situation? I think there's some people that have begun to get it now that there's more and more evidence. There's always been hurricanes and always will be, but they're stronger and then more frequent. The insurance companies have taken note. The Pentagon has taken note when you have entities like that, like the Pentagon and the insurance industry, and they say climate change is real. I think it's time to pay attention. When you see water rising on the streets of Miami, you know, I think you yeah, begin to see that it's real. Yeah, so we're, we've got some real challenges. Some people, it's going to take them a long time to be convinced, but people will get it when they get it. But we all have to do something and urge people to do something for other reasons even. Let's, you know, forget about climate change. Let's do some green, make some green choices to clean up the air in our cities, to lessen our dependence on foreign oil, and to put money in our pockets. Let's do it for those three reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every one of those is a great reason for sure. Yeah, and I think think that's a good point too. Uh, you know, obviously climate change is incredibly important and an incredibly important issue, but not the only environmental issue that exists. And I sometimes, uh, you know, the, the, the water, as, as you mentioned with the, the plastics in the ocean and everything, uh, that stuff can get uh, short shrift sometimes, uh, because of, uh, cl- you know, climate change gets, you know, a lot of headlines. So don't, you know, people shouldn't, obviously shouldn't forget about that either, uh, that um, you know, there are there are other issues that we can do. We can do things about. Um, but moving on to uh, a little more uh, entertainment uh, type questions, I suppose. Uh, so, real quick, I want to ask your permission before I do this. Uh, Mike and I every week we play a game uh, called the Parents Guide Game. And what we do is we go to uh, imdb.com, the inter- International Movie Database, or Internet Movie Database, right? That's what it is. Uh, and we look up a movie in the parent's guide, and then we give each other clues, starting with you know obscure clues, uh, getting to more and more specific clues, until one of us can guess what movie we're doing. Uh, sir, would... And by the way, I, I guess I should have asked this before... What do what what should what should I call you? Uh, is sir fine or should I call yeah, you? Just call me Ed. Okay, I, I didn't. Me Ed. All right, that that's good. Um, would you uh, like to play uh, the game, uh, the IMD, the uh, parents' guide game? 
Absolutely, let's do it. Okay, so uh, like I said, I'll give you, I'll give you a clue. You can guess after each clue if you want. Um, you know what uh, what movie it might be, uh, or you can just say pass. Or if you think of something incredibly funny, uh, that's obviously good for the show too. Uh, all right, so under alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Uh, adults are drinking wine and some smoke cigarettes. What movie do you think it is? Adults are drinking wine and some smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And this is a... It, let's see. The kids are all right. I'll take a wild step. No. Good guess, but no. Uh, let's see. A child is, this is still in alcohol, drugs, and smoking. A child is seen drinking from a bottle of wine and is drunk. He then vomits from being drunk. I'm trying to think of a movie, let's see. Not Breakfast Club, is it? No, no, not Breakfast Club. Let's see. Uh, Let's go to... I'm not getting a picture yet of this. I'm taking wild steps in the dark. No, that's that's what we do, too. <laughs> a lot of times, Mike and I will have uh, rote movies that we just go to and just guess right off the bat, uh, just uh, because it, it gets it's very vague at the beginning. Uh, under violence and gore, a dead mouse in a casserole dish. Brief, but icky. Dead mouse in a casserole dish, what? What'd you say? Uh, did, did you say a dead mouse in a casserole dish? Yeah, a dead mouse in a casserole dish. Brief, but icky. Brief, but... Yeah. I can't hear the last part of that. I'm sorry. Brief, so like, you know, it's it's not on screen very long, but icky. Oh, yeah, quickly. Brief. Brief, but sticky. But yeah, dead mouse in a casserole dish. It's not. Um... Oh boy, I can't think of the name of it. It's not. Is it an animated movie? Am I not to ask that? No, it's not animated. Okay. Uh, next. Next clue: A woman blows up a house, <laughs> which is a pretty a pretty big uh, jump from a dead mouse in a oh, casserole wait a dish. <laughs> you got it. You got it. It is the you. Oh my god! I can't believe it took me that long. It is the you starring 1989 uh, film with uh, Roseanne She Devil. <laughs> I thought that would be uh, an interesting one to, to do. Uh, I was gonna do under 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 sex and nudity. One of them is uh, Ed Begley Jr. runs after Roseanne wearing a towel, and a brief moment, his towel slips, and we see his rear end. That was gonna be one of the uh, the later ones that I read you. Hunter Anderson back in the eighties, so I just wanted to work it. So. <laughs> one of the uh, you mentioned it earlier, but one of the. Um, one of the shows that uh, that you're on that Mike and I have Mike and I have talked about quite a bit and enjoy quite a bit is uh, Better Call Saul, uh, the uh, the uh, spinoff of Breaking Bad. Uh, obviously, you played Cliff Main, um, the the uh, law partner that um, you know butted heads with uh, with Jimmy McGill uh, a couple times uh, before. Jimmy finally got him to fire him. Uh, what uh, what was it like working uh, with you know working with Vince Gilligan, working with Bob Odenkirk? Uh, what's that? What's it like being on that set? It's just a dream come true. I was such a fan of Breaking Bad, and then a fan of that first season of Better Call Saul. When I got the call from Vince to be in the show, I was just over the moon. I it was just a dream. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Do you, Mark and I are kind of on the fence about this. I think both Mark and I now like Better Call Saul more than uh, Breaking Bad, which is kind of a shock to both of us. Yeah. Do you have an opinion? I mean, I obviously have a you're on one of the one of the shows, but do you have a preference, or do you just kind of? They're both brilliant, obviously. It's just so Better Call Saul, like it's like a. I don't want to compare Rembrandt 
I'm not going to try to have a yeah. competition between, you know, Rumble and Picasso. I mean, they're just both brilliant shows, different, wonderful, yeah, some amazing. of the same characters, of course, mm-hmm. but it's just, they're both so amazing, some different, wonderful ones. You know, Breaking Bad is TV history, in my opinion, the best show ever. But now I have another best yeah. show ever, which is a Better Call Saul, so. If I choose and get to my kids, I like the most. It's not possible. Right. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, when you're on a show like that, or or as previously mentioned, St. Elsewhere, 1600, does it feel any different than a, than maybe a show that's not as, you know, critically acclaimed or, you know, not as, I guess, uh, not as, doesn't uh, have as big of a legacy? Does it feel any different? Or is it kind of like, do you feel like it's just another job to you? Is it, I'm kind of interested in the whole, like, as someone who's been in so many different, you know, films and TV shows, I mean, is it still exciting? Do you still, you know, get, you know, the love of hopping out of bed to act? Or is it sometimes kind of like a drudgery? How, how does that all work? You know, I'm in a fortunate position. I don't have to do any show that I don't want to do that doesn't excite me. So I hear from Better Call Saul, of course, I'm going to jump at a young Sheldon. I always say yes to that. You know, all these other shows that call upon me, I'm just, I'm, I'm just lucky to be able to pick and choose. And uh, there's some great shows being done out there. There'll probably be others in the future uh, that I'll want to do. And to be working in any industry for 50 years, 52 years actually now, coming up on 53 this July, it'll be wow. 53 years I've been working in TV and film. Worked 53 years as a used car salesman or a storm door you know, salesman. You count yourself lucky. Mm-hmm. Worked any in any industry over half a century, so I'm blessed and I'm oh, for sure. Oh, and that's obviously a testament to your talent as well. You're you're a very humble man, but I mean, you are a brilliant actor as well, which you know we've seen multiple instances of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um. Well, I'm more lucky than talented, but I'll <laughs> go with what you say. Thank you. <laughs> I, I I do uh, a, a bit of writing. I mean, uh, I I have had some books published uh you know nothing huge or anything like that but uh i talk to friends of mine who you know are sort of interested in writing but they're not they're not real writers necessarily like they're not writing you know on a daily basis and i you know they they always ask me they're like oh you know i i wait for this inspiration to hit or i wait for that inspiration to hit or or whatever and i tell them uh i said you know writing has more in common with digging a ditch than it does like anything else. You just, you know, you sit there and you just write, it's, you just work. You just, you know, you sit down for an hour or whatever and, and you just work. Do you find that that's uh, similar in, in acting? Do, do you, do you, do you find that it's, you know, it's, it's like that or is it, uh, like a craft is it kind of, is that, is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. Like it's all, it's obviously it's, you know, referred to as a craft. Sure. Right. But do you find it's it's do you find it's, it it has more in common with you know putting the work in and doing that or is it uh, is it different than that? No, it's putting in the work. It's learning the lines, you know, which can be drudgery, but you just do it. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I have my way of learning lines, and and you you get that out of the way, then you can work on building the character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you too that you just real quick before I let Mike uh, continue. Uh, you talk about how you're on Young Sheldon, and of course, sometimes I'll, I'll think, you know, like as I was going through your IMDb, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, he's on that show. I remember, like, because I remember specifically seeing you're in. You're very like I never thought about this before. It just occurred to me now, but you're very memorable. <laughs> like you're very memorable uh, presence uh, on screen. But it just occurred to me that you're very kind. It just occurred to me, like I said you know, you're on Young Sheldon, which is a show I watch with my kids. And it, it's interesting to me, you know, I watched you on St. Elsewhere when I was a kid with my parents. And, uh, you know, now my kids watch you uh, on Young Sheldon with me, uh, which I think is a great show to watch uh, with your family, by the way, uh, for anybody out there that's got kids. It's a great show to watch with your family. But, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting how, like you said, 53 years almost, you... Uh, you know, you you cross a lot of generations. Um, do you feel that you know fans of yours out there, or or people that enjoy your work? Did you feel that it's it is like that that it crosses lots of different generations? Uh, 
I'd like to think that it crosses different generations. You know, I, um, you know, as a man who has grandparents, you know, I mean, grandkids, I, I just, um, I, I like to do shows that attract a young audience and people my age, people who are middle-aged. So I'm just lucky to be part of all these shows that cater to those different demographics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, you want to, I'm sorry, I kind of interrupted you. You want to continue? Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Um, going back to St. Elsewhere, uh, I'm just curious uh, as an actor, are you as vested in like the storyline as some of the, uh, the fans? Because that's, it's sort of a controversial finale for the uh, series of that, where the whole mm, thing, um, at yeah. least to my understanding, is kind of like in a snow globe. Does that does that bother you at all, or do you? I mean, how vested are you in where the sort? I mean, does that kind of a loop? Does it throw you? Are you? I mean, obviously, you work with a lot of masterful, you know, uh, TV uh, makers, producers, writers, actors. I mean, do you kind of? I mean, you just kind of trust them with where it's going, or does does anything like that ever kind of? You know, I try to stick to my uh, my chosen field, which is acting, and I don't tell them how to write the scripts, and they usually don't tell me how to to do my character. Sure, I sure. Mean, they'll give me notes if there's something they want a little bit different. If, it, if I respond to it, I'll do it. But I, I always do it because it's always a good idea with the kind of people that I'm working with. They rarely have bad ideas. They usually have very good ideas. Between you and I, I thought that was a very odd way to end this the six years. It wasn't much of a crowd pleaser, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the agreement on the kids. So that's uh, that was an an odd choice, but the show was great, and they were never known for being tenant writers. They went out with a bang and did something that was quite bold, so that it'd be applauded for that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's certainly a memorable, a more memorable ending than say you know a couple characters get married or that sort of thing as you often. Right. It's funny. I, I wonder if you're aware of this. There's uh, <laughs> there's a I can't even remember. Is it the Fontana verse they call it? I believe so. Yeah, something like that. Uh, basically, it, the theory is that every television show that's ever existed, basically or almost all of them, uh, exist in. Uh, in um tommy westfall i believe yeah, that's that was tommy yeah. tommy westfall's uh mind uh because they take they take characters that are, are they basically they connect through, up here in other mediums yeah they connect characters that oh yes the steve allen show and yes mm-hmm. and larry tyler moore and yes i see what you're saying they do it's a very good point yeah so i, I thought of that that's funny yeah, it's uh, it's on the internet, and there's a big they like he he this guy went through it's a huge project guy went through tons of TV and yeah I mean it's uh like you like you said the Mary Tyler Moore show I think's on there Star Trek's on there like basically everything every like any big show of the past I don't know fifty years or so is uh you know is on there it's an interesting idea um but yeah uh. The show that you're on currently, or one of the shows that you're on currently, I don't know. I, you you were on uh, recently, Better Call Saul. Mike and I talked about uh, that episode. Yeah, actually. that was a that was a great episode. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you'll you know Thanks. we'll see if if uh, you know you'll be on in the future uh, as well. But one of the show that you're on uh, right now, uh, bless this mess. Um, I have so <laughs> I. Uh, my wife and I watched the show. Uh, we've seen probably maybe six or seven episodes of the show because uh, we were late to uh, come to the show. To come to the show when we heard, because we're we're big fans of uh, of Dax Shepard uh, and, and Kristen Bell, and when we heard that you know he he was getting a, a, another show, you know we wanted to watch it and everything. I wonder. Um, like I said, we've only seen like six or seven episodes uh, of the show because we have roughly 25 shows that we're currently watching right now or in some, whether it's on Netflix or Hulu or, or, or whatever uh, that we're watching. I wonder, the show's fantastic. Um, you know, everyone in it is great. Do you think, and my wife and I would love to watch it more. We just, like, anytime we've got a little bit of downtime, we're like, okay, we're going to watch Bless This Mess now. Um, Do you think, obviously, streaming 
has has made it easier in certain ways uh, for people to get scripts out there, people to get shows out there, uh, because everybody needs content. Uh, but do you think that it hurts sometimes in some ways? Because Bless This Mess is obviously traditional type type sitcom on a network, um, and if those other streaming services didn't exist, my wife and I would have seen every episode by now. And, um, you know, uh, it, it would be, it would, everyone, basically everyone would be watching it. Do you think that sometimes network shows and more traditional type shows get hurt because of all the diversity and entertainment of streaming? And the novelty of it, too. I mean, it seems mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, I could watch this on my phone. It's a little more difficult with, like, you know, the big networks to do that. Right. Yeah, the streaming has altered the landscape entirely, the network TV, uh, and they continue to, you know, eat away at the market share the network TV has. I don't know if there's any end in sight, but um, because you can watch things anytime, you have such a you know, a huge array of choices with uh, streaming services like Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. So I think um, you have to offer something very special if you're going to do a network show. You have to really get it just right. There's no room for error because people are going to go over to streaming. It's, it's greatly changed the landscape. and You know, it's affected the way we work. You know, the very different financial ramifications to doing a show that's a streaming show and doing a network show. So um, people are adjusting. I continue to adjust, but I'm very happy to have a show on the network. And I've enjoyed working, working for some of the streaming services as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Mike, uh, I'll tell you this real quick. So uh, one of our favorites, uh, Pat, or um, one, of, one of our favorites is... Uh, is on the show uh you know um you're familiar with the the movie jackie brown right mike I, I, we've talked about it quite oh, yeah, a bit I, I love the i love jackie brown's great movie yeah so um so um uh pam greer is in the is in the show uh bless this mess oh and, oh wow that's awesome it's and pam greer and ed bagley jr have uh, this like uh flirtation right which i think is a great choice because uh, you know, one of them is, you know, a sex symbol, uh, you know, from yesteryear, which, who frankly absolutely still has it. And the other one is Pam Greer. So, oh, how dare you? So I think, no, she still has it too, obviously. But yeah, uh, I, Pam Greer, I, I would watch Pam Greer in anything. She's amazing. Oh, absolutely. She's the um, best. She is she's just so wonderful but that's a funny joke i hadn't heard about that's very funny <laughs> is there anybody you've wanted to work with that you haven't yet had the opportunity to do so director or actor or even writer wise oh, great question you know i haven't worked with elizabeth moss or daniel day lewis i haven't worked with um you know i haven't worked with uh, hugh jackman i haven't worked with there's quite a few actors I haven't worked with. Uh, Martin Scorsese, the director. I haven't worked with uh, uh, Bob De Niro. I haven't worked with. Oh, you you would have been you would have been great in the Irishman. Yes, absolutely. Wait, say that again. The uh, Irishman. You would have been amazing in the Irishman. I mean, you could have been any many number of roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. I, I'm lucky with the people I have worked and if I get to work with some of those people I mentioned, that would be fantastic, but I'm very happy with what I've got. You're, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised uh, the list is that small. You've been in so many projects. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're very prolific. Um, is, that, is that still... Do you still have as much of a drive now uh, you know, to to take on different roles, to take on different challenges, uh, as you did when when you were younger. Uh, you know, have have your priorities changed or shifted any? Because it doesn't seem like you've slowed down in at any in any way. Well, I imagine too that now that you're able to you know pick your projects, you probably are able to have a more artistic you know expression and you know be in just what you like, as you said earlier. 
yeah, I tend to stay home more now. I like to stay home. I like to putter in the garden. I like to, you know, fix things around the house. And so I'm not one of those guys that has to be out working all the time. If there's something exciting that I feel I can do, you know, something that is within my pay grade, that, you know, within my skill set, I'll do it. Otherwise, I just as soon stay home and, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable staying home. I certainly am staying home a lot these days and I'm not mm. going crazy. I haven't gotten stir crazy yet. I, I like it at my house and uh, it's no punishment for me to be quarantined here. I'll tell you. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. That's, 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 it's kind of tricky for, for me because my kids were just, you know, they miss their friends, that sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. I've mentioned this before. Uh, I feel very a lot of hardship out there for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel bad. There's oh yeah, so I could, I, I, you could have it way people, worse. But I'm very fortunate. Yeah, yeah, us too. I'm fortunate that I could work tele, you know, uh, through telecommunication that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Um, speaking of gardens, uh, have you been, you've been a vegan? Have you been your whole life, or like, uh, is that one of the incremental steps you were referring to earlier? No, I became a vegetarian in 1970. I stopped eating meat back in 1970. And then I've occasionally, in those years since 1970, had periods of time where I ate fish. But I converted to being a vegan in 92, and I've been vegan nearly all the time since 92. Uh, And I feel very good. I'm 70 years old and in pretty good health, so I'm doing something right. Yeah, do you think that that's another big environmental impact? Uh, you know, obviously the meat industry requires so much more water and resources to, you know, grow, you know, a serving compared to, you know, vegetables and fruit, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's much more efficient. Less land and water and energy to grow a pound of broccoli than it is a pound of beef. So, and of course, you know, beef has more protein in it than broccoli. I understand that, but there's lots of vitamins and minerals other things you need in broccoli mm-hmm. and you know oh, i ate a lot of uh, like soy protein and other plant protein and that's very efficient protein to make by the amount of land and water and energy it takes to do so yeah certainly sure. it, it, i was just gonna with, say with the subsidies to the meat industry i mean a, a pound of hamburger does not actually cost what it costs at the store so i mean it's again a financial thing it's you know if there weren't these subsidies i don't know how much a pound of meat would be i've heard estimates as high as like 10 to 20 pounds or 10 to 20 dollars for a pound sorry i thought you were just talking about english pounds mike you were just converting for quick. <laughs> and there's a lot of subsidies for the dairy industry too a lot of milk mm. subsidies so yeah yeah, yeah that, of, that's of course the kind of thing that really alters the price point yeah, it's, you know, Thomas Jefferson, obviously, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say obviously, but Thomas Jefferson uh, used to say that the the ideal citizen was the small American farmer, which in 1780, 1800, uh, you know, may have been, been the case. But as the population grows uh, and everything, and, you know, most of these farms now are not run by small families, they're run by giant corporations. Uh, you know, obviously that has changed quite, uh, quite a bit. And the methodology of, of, you know, how things are done has changed, uh, quite a bit, which can, you know, open up to certain diseases and things like that. I just wanted to add real quickly too, in case anybody has it, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, uh, Ed, in case anybody has a misconception, cause I do a decent amount of weightlifting and stuff like that, that, um, that you can't get enough protein from plant-based sources, uh, Greg Doucette, who's a, everyone should check out on YouTube, a great, uh, uh, fitness YouTuber, uh, is a big advocate of this as well. Uh, there, there are plenty of, of ways to, to, you know, get, uh, protein from, from plants that you know, yeah, you many people overestimate the amount they need. Yes. To. Oh, absolutely. Yes. There are lots of, you know, I don't want to call them meatheads necessarily, but there are lots of, you know, very ardent bodybuilders that are eating, uh, you know, almost as much as two, protein, two grams you know, per no pound of, of their body weight, which is insane. That's way too much protein to get. Uh, protect your kidneys, everybody. Right. Don't eat that much protein. 
Uh, but yeah, uh, so there, there's plenty that you can get from uh, from plant-based sources. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, you said it best. There, there needs to be some major changes made on the national level, uh, but there are lots of small things that governments can do. There are lots of small things individuals can do to, you know, foster our, our planet uh, better. Uh, I'm always kind of fascinated when I hear I about what Macro we need to do it. I'm sorry, I, my apologies. No, go ahead. No, um, I agree. Always... We, we need to do as much as we can to make that happen. I'm always fascinated when I hear about an actor who like was almost cast in a certain role, like maybe they chose a different, you know, pilot or something like that. Have you ever had any run-ins like that where you were almost say you're almost in, you know, Batman or something like that or a different, you know, TV series? No, I've been very lucky to get all the parts. Oh, wait, no, that's not true. The series Saint Elsewhere, the part that I wanted was called Dr. Peter White. It was played by an actor named Terrence Knox. Oh, yeah. The character Peter White was a regular character, and I went in and auditioned for that. I didn't get it. So then they threw me a bone and said, well, we like the way you read, though, and you're not right for Peter White, but you'll play this character if you want it, Ehrlich. You can, like, maybe an episode or two. I went, great. To be in just an episode or two of this fine show, I'll happily do it. And then Ehrlich, they started writing for it more and more. It became three or four episodes and six, and it became a series regular. And uh, it was one of the more prominent characters in the show. And it started as a, a much lesser character. So I got very lucky I didn't play the part of Peter White. They killed that character off in the second or third year, I think. Yeah, spoilers. Oh, nice. Right. Yeah, that worked out. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> Well, I, I always, I always, you know, give spoilers when I do the live tweeting. I know the show is forty years old or whatever, but you know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they. I was gonna say, you know, that's it's kind of a good thing you didn't get that uh, that part. He has a lot of problems with his wife early on too. Um, anyway, I don't go into the lore of Saint elsewhere. Uh, I wanted to say too before we, um, you know. Uh, before we kind of get off of or you know move on to something else because uh, we were talking about environmental issues and everything uh, I've noticed that obviously you're a very strong and vocal advocate uh, for the for the environment for those kind of causes but uh, you don't often uh, and almost none that I could see uh, really kind of talk politics uh, you know in gen like in specific or or you know, in, in the nitty gritty, uh, uh, one of my uh, another person that I that I uh, you know kind of admire, Stephen King. So I'm um, no offense to him, but uh, basically every day because I follow him too. Basically every day he's got something new to say about uh, Trump and everything. Uh, but I've noticed that you you really don't do that. I have to imagine that's a conscious choice to kind of not talk about. You know, like those issues or, or every kind of yeah, issue that comes politicize up. politicize it because it's not a political issue in my opinion. No, the, the environment's not for sure. But uh, but that that's that's got to be a conscious choice, right? I try to be very inclusive of everybody, you know, as an actor and as a guy that's promoting green technology. Mm-hmm. I really learned all my environmental ethics from my father who is a Republican and I'm not a Republican but he was and he was a conservative that liked to conserve you know he had lived through the Great Depression he was the son of Irish immigrants you know simply turned off the lights we turned off the water we saved string we saved tinfoil we did everything we could to get by and so he died within a few days of the first Earth Day and I did a lot of what I did early on to honor him and uh, it, it shouldn't be a partisan issue. It's something we should do for our kids and grandkids and for ourselves, whatever years we have left. And we live in a world that has some measure of sustainability and beauty to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because even with the current uh, COVID-19 outbreak, I, I've read reports that people who live in areas with more air pollution are more susceptible to it. I mean, it's it's not, you know, in any way. Opposed. No, no, it's a human issue. And it, it always... Unfortunately, money can make things political issues that shouldn't be political issues. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it obviously it shouldn't be. It's a it, it's humanity's issue. Uh, 
but yeah, I, no. I, I, I thought that that was, you know, interesting. Um, this is kind of a weird question. You mentioned Dex Shepard earlier. Dex, Dex is kind of a taller actor, and you're even taller than him. Do you ever feel that you have a different experience, like, you know, certain roles you just can't get because the other actors? I mean, in general, from what I've seen, actors seem to be kind of shorter than average. I mean, is it a weird kind of, uh, you know, encounters in that? I always played kind of the goofy guy from the first part, you know, kind of an oddball tall, geeky character. You know, My Three Sons was my first job. and I, It was a height issue in the story of that first day in show business that I worked, and they made a lot about, you know, gangly and clumsy Ehrlich, and so it was something that, you know, helped me to be a character actor. There was a time I probably wanted to be a leading man. I gave that dream up years ago because I realized it was, better for me to be a character actor with a character actor status you can work your whole life you're a leading man you're hot you're cold he's not a leading man anymore because he's he's gotten old or whatever other changes have occurred so i sought out being a character actor like my father and i got lucky to be so and the height only enhanced that do you you think that because it, it it occurs to me, uh, like you said, uh, you know, character actor, star, you know, those, th- you know, the the difference between those two. Um, I wonder. This is just kind of off the top of my head, but it seems to me that the days of you know a Tom Cruise, like a bit, you know, big, uh, you know, signature star or whatever, seem to kind of be going away. People. I think seem to be turning more towards character actors. And I don't know if it's because of, you know, the, the public more focus on the scripts and that sort of thing. maybe. Yeah. If the public likes to, to see people in body characters more, cause even, you know, larger stars like, like Tom Hanks, you know, obviously is, uh, you know, as a star and, and, and people will, will tune in to see his movies, you know, in, in, in part because he's in it, but I think he real I think he gets into his characters the way you know character actor would. I, I it seems like the days of like watch Tom Cruise, you know, like do all these testifying things. Obviously, you know, it's still there, but I think I think that's slowly going away, and people are going more towards character actors. Do you do you see the same thing, or do you think that um, that there's still a great delineation between the two? will always be a kind of leading man category of some form or another. It doesn't have to be the handsome, traditional leading man. Mm. I think people like very talented people like Daniel Day-Lewis and Joaquin Phoenix and people like that, you know, are always going to have a lot to, you know, Elizabeth Moss, women like that, Meryl Streep, people who are that talented are going to, always, you know, have those top parts in movies, but they are, besides being leading men and leading women, they're certainly in that category. They're also character actors, each and every one of them. So um, I, I, I say yes to what you just proposed, but also they get to be two things. They get to be a character actor and a leading man and a you know, character actor and a leading woman. Are you currently like watching or following any series that you know people might uh, more people should know about, like an underrated maybe a series or a, a film you've recently seen? Like anything that you know you think is kind of a sleeper that no one's really aware of? The shows that I watch are quite popular. You know, I certainly as we've discussed, I like Better Call Saul. I love the show I'm in. Uh, I just literally like watching the show I'm in. Bless this mess. I really liked Ozark. Now, I think that's kind of a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, it deserves to be. It's a wonderful, wonderful show. So I like that show. And uh, um, what else do I like? I, there's some great shows out there. And I really think, you know, the golden age of television was when my dad was working at TV with 
people like Sidney Lumet, Patty Chayefsky, and people like that. That's the golden age of television. This is the platinum age of television. Really is an extraordinary time. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of amazing shows even currently I, I i can't watch them all my wife uh watches ozark uh ozarks i i couldn't get into it i might give it another try um i like uh you know uh, justin bateman um did you watch did you watch the show justified with uh timothy oliphant that was a really good one too i thought i, I like him as <laughs> mike yeah you... i really like that my friend uh, sorry Justified. my friend jerry burns was in that he's that fantastic yeah, that's just an amazing. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge, as we mentioned earlier, Jackie Brown. I'm a huge Elmore uh, Leonard fan, so that's yeah. just like perfect for me. Every part of that show. I uh, I had the over yeah. under on you mentioning Justified at 40 minutes, so I guess I guess we went over. So good for you, Mike. Oh, speaking, <laughs> speaking of, are, are we okay on time, Ed? Do you uh, do you need to go? Or are you uh, getting tired of us yet? I've got to go. Actually, my daughter's been beckoning to me. I have to go have dinner with my daughter, but I've loved talking oh, yeah, to you yeah. guys. Well, let's do it again Thank sometime. It's been a real treat. Absolutely. We yeah. really appreciate your time. Very, very generous of you. Thank and you so much. You have an open invitation anytime, sir, obviously. Uh, yeah, have a... Have thank a, you, Mark. Thank you, Mike, both. Have a, have a great day, and thank you so much for, for joining us. Yeah, you really made uh, Mark's uh, hey, year. He, he, he just, uh, you know, he loves you. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy, guys. Thanks again. All right. Have Thank a good you. night. Take care. Stay safe. Bye. All right. Well, that was uh, Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> Mike, what did you yeah. think? I think that went pretty well. He was, yeah, he was uh, so nice of him to spend so much time with us. I mean, he didn't even uh, mention he needed to go. We had to ask him. Um, right. Yeah, very interesting, uh, you know, uh, very interesting person uh he's uh, you know he's been above and ahead of the curve on the environmental issues like like you mentioned 1970 he was already you know wor- you know concerned about you know vegetarianism that sort of thing mm-hmm. um he's in so many shows that we like like his imdb is is a list of your favorite shows essentially yeah i know he- this is like you know this just made like your decade pop oh yeah yeah I- i'm i was i was very excited so you know, I don't know if I would necessarily call this a celebrity diss. I mean, it's a, it's a win, um, but I don't know if the way it went would was like we you you know we did the celebrity diss. Uh, obviously, Josie Lawrence was the only one that you know even responded to us uh, prior to this. Um, I basically just kind of someone was talking about uh, him for some reason I don't remember why, and I responded and he liked the response that I gave, so I just tweeted at him and asked if he wanted to be on the show, and then you know we just we basically just went from there, uh, and so I, I don't know if I would I don't know if I'd consider it the same thing that the segment that we used to do, but if if it is this is obviously the biggest win for it. Uh, no, it's not a diss, so it doesn't count. And he, I, I, such a humble guy. I mean, he he keeps complimenting everybody else. He's an amazing actor himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, he if he's in something, it's good. Essentially, is how it works. Yeah, yeah, basically, yes, yeah, basically anything he's in is, like you said, is is very good. And he, um, he, uh, you know, I mean, just very, very gracious with his time uh, and everything. Uh, and uh, check out his daughter, uh, Hayden. I believe her name is. There's a video on uh, at Ed Begley Jr. on Twitter of her playing um, the Jason Mraz song "I'm Yours" to him around Earth Day, and him kind of like choking up. It's very sweet. It's a very for anyone that's got daughters like us. It's it's a very sweet uh, you know moment, and she's very talented. So check her out too. Must uh, run the family. Absolutely. Oh yes, Dad won an Academy Award for Sweet Bird of Youth too. I didn't even mention oh, that. that. I thought I thought I assumed it was uh what is it, uh, Twelve Angry Jurors or Twelve Angry Men? I don't know. Twelve Angry that, Men, yeah. He was juror number yeah. ten in Twelve Angry Men. Yeah, Ed Begley Senior uh, also very talented. That's another thing that people sleep. You people should watch that movie. That's an amazing movie. Great movie, yeah, absolutely. And rent Transylvania six five thousand with Ed Begley Jr. and uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum. I was going to, I was going to use that one for the IMDb game, but there was like almost nothing in there. <laughs> like when he when when he got uh, She Devil from uh, you know a woman blows up a house. I mean oh, that's that's pretty damn good recall <laughs> from 
uh, like eighty nine was was uh, what thirty years ago, thirty one years ago, thirty one yeah, years he's, ago. He's been in literally like over a hundred, you know, different things. I mean, that's oh, that's yeah. very good recall. Absolutely, but uh, that is our show for the day. Uh, great conversation with Ed Bagley Jr. He said he'll come back whenever, so I still have his contact information. Maybe I'll try to get him back at some point. Uh, maybe if he if he's on Better Call Saul again, we'll talk to him. Um. But uh, anyway, that is our show for the week. Uh, thank you to Ed Begley Jr. for joining us. Uh, thank you, Mike. Yeah, follow him on Twitter. Uh, very, you know, very gregarious guy in there, too. He's, uh, you know, I follow. Um, does he have a website that you know about? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think so. But he does on on Twitter. He, I've, I noticed because I, I kind of. Um, Stalk him? No. <laughs> I looked at his, uh, you know, at his like tweets and replies and stuff like that. He replies to quite a few people, so he's he's obviously very generous with with his time and uh, and yeah, everything. Obviously. You can go to oh here we go baglyliving.com, b e g l e y living dot com. Uh, that's um, it. Basically, kind of shows how he and his wife uh, Rochelle Carson, uh, you know, live. Uh, cause he has, I think he's, I, there's something, uh, he pays like, I think like $20 a year for his electricity bill or something yeah, like that. I, I don't doubt that. I mean, if you really serious, if you live in the right area and all that stuff and you, mm-hmm. you know, seriously put time to it, you could like, uh, I had a, um, someone I worked with, um, they got like all new, like, you know, weather sealed windows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, they, uh, they were so good at insulating the house that they're, uh, in, in Michigan in the summer, the electricity bill was like $20. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, that's that's outstanding. Uh, but yeah, so uh, BegleyLiving.com, check that out. Uh, and do 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 something, do something. Right, do some small thing. Change your light bulbs. You'll save money. Yep. they're better for the environment. They last longer. I mean, it's a lot of the stuff helps you out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, all of it helps you know the environment, which is a, a win for those of you who are confused on the issue. Right. <laughs> But uh, we will uh, we will see you next week. Uh, bye. See you next time.